want to thank you for joining us for this special time of worship. You know, Good Friday is a, a unique day in all of creation because on this day, the Son of God died. Let those words sink in. The Son of God died. I don't know about you, but that thought is, is really quite amazing. First of all, how could God die? And why would he agree to do such a thing? I mean, if he is God, then, then certainly he didn't have to die. No one can tell God what to do. And yet, he chose to die. Good Friday stands every year as a testimony to the fact that God himself, the very Son of God, died a very real death, a terrible, painful death, a lowly death, a death of a criminal, and he did it voluntarily. To those believers 2,000 years ago, there was nothing good about this day that we call Good Friday. It was a day of defeat. Jesus' followers to a man and to a woman were crushed. They had abandoned their Lord. They had forsaken him, and now their master was dead. And with him died their hopes and their dreams. They went into hiding, waiting for the authorities to find them, to arrest them, and then to kill them as well. It was, I'm sure, the worst day of their lives. But God had a plan. It was a plan determined before the creation of the world, in eternity past. And on Good Friday, God made good on his promise to redeem fallen man. So today, we come here not to celebrate the death of God's Son, but the unfolding of God's plan of salvation. This plan, birthed in the heart of God, was not written with pen and paper, but it was written with the blood of his only Son. God's plan was written in red as a love letter to you and to me. Behind all of the passion and suffering and anguish of Calvary, that place of death, there is a powerful message of love. As the songsters come forward, let me invite you this afternoon to prepare your hearts to worship this amazing God who loved us so much that he didn't even spare his only son, but gave his life a ransom for us. His love to us is written in his blood. His love is written in red.
Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent. But he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judah, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. When they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas, because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction, and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus, because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd and with one voice they shouted, Kill him! and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! I think we've all seen representations of that very scene in media, TV, movies, things like that. You can only imagine the amount of hatred it would take to crucify someone. It was awful. The religious leaders of that day, and it seems the crowd, they wanted Jesus crucified. And I think they looked at that cross as a means to that end. They wanted this very Jesus of Nazareth to die for the sake of their nation. They were familiar with the cross. They had seen crucifixions before. It wasn't anything new to them. To them, in fact, it was just a way of doing away with some criminal person. But it was the most repugnant form of death that they knew of, the most brutal way to put somebody to their death. But then, that's what they wanted for Jesus. The religious leaders of that day, they were threatened by Jesus. And the crowd was, well, disappointed. Pilate had refused to usher in Jesus and give them to him. And they were disappointed in Jesus that he had not brought in that revolution that they had thought was coming. When they saw the cross, they saw an opportunity to rid themselves of their problem, of their disappointment. Well, this afternoon, I wonder, what do you see when you look at the cross? With that thought in mind, I would invite you to sing along as we sing this very famous hymn of the church, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And as we do, consider what that cross means to you. Thank you. 
cross is an expression of God's love. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that one day lay down his life for his friends. But Jesus went even further. He laid down his own life for those who despised and rejected him, for those who killed him. On the cross, he prayed on behalf of those who crucified him. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. How true. They had no idea what they were doing. To the Roman soldiers, this was just another execution. Nothing special. That is, until they witnessed the manner in which this most unusual man handled his own death. They were used to the uh, condemning, screaming, the curses of the condemned people, professing that they were innocent. They were used to them weeping for themselves and trying to bargain their way out of this cruel death, but they weren't prepared for Jesus. One eyewitness, in fact, in fact, the one in charge of the crucifixion, reacted this way as recorded in Mark 15:39. When the centurion, who was standing right in front of him, saw the way he breathed his last breath, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. God's love came through Jesus even as he died unjustly. It was so powerful that a hardened Roman soldier had to admit that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. This is the power of the cross. It is the good news for this Good Friday that there is room at the cross for you and me too. Matt Rowland is about to play a euphonium solo entitled, There's Room at the Cross. The words of this hymn tells us, Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. This afternoon, if you've never come to the cross of Christ and experienced his love and forgiveness, I want you to know that this Good Friday in 2008, that there's still room for you.
join us as we sing this simple chorus, Lord, make Calvary real to me. our simple words. Lord, make Calvary real to me. But I want to tell you this afternoon, that is the key. The power of Calvary, the power of the cross, isn't something um, mystical. Instead, it's something very real and very practical. Calvary and the cross aren't just some symbol a message, symbolic message of some universal forgiveness that God has purchased for the whole world, but it is a very real offer of personal forgiveness. It's offered to you and it's offered to me. In the story of Good Friday, we find God putting his word into action. He died a very real death that day to offer us a very real forgiveness. He died in weakness that we might have power over sin. He died in shame that we might be honored to be called sons and daughters of God. He died alone that we might have fellowship with God. He died that we might have life, life eternal. This cross, this instrument of death and judgment, this symbol of shame and reproach has become amazingly the source of our pardon, our peace, our salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Good Friday is an historical event, but it is an historical event with eternal significance. But our purpose here today is not to commemorate and a, and a historical event. Rather, it is to worship the God who in Christ died.
died for our sins. Really, the, the only matter left undecided this afternoon is how will you respond to God's offer of forgiveness and love? Do you know the power of the cross? Do you know the power of God's love and forgiveness? Do you know it personally, not intellectually? Do you know it personally? That's what Good Friday really is all about. And I invite you this afternoon to make Calvary real to you today, to make it personal. Jesus died for you. He died for me. It was the ultimate act of love and its power spans the two millennium since that faithful day. And today, right now in this place, that power of love and forgiveness is available to anyone who will simply uh, accept it and accept Christ. As Jill Morton shares the song, The Power of the Cross, I urge you to make Good Friday personal to make it real by applying Christ's love and forgiveness to your own sins. Along with that Roman centurion, won't you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for you? Consider these things as Jill sings. Stained bright 
suffering Lord I am free that is the power of the cross it's the power of love and forgiveness that's available to you and me I'd like to thank you for joining us for this community Good Friday service it's our hope that you know the freedom that Jill just sang about and if you don't know this freedom it's our prayer that you will experience the power of the cross this Easter weekend if you have no church home please consider joining us um, this Easter Sunday as we celebrate our Lord's resurrection. Let's pray. Crucified Lord, because of Good Friday, we can stand before you forgiven. On this Good Friday, we seem so concerned about our own comfort, but you sent your son to a land where he had no place to call his home, no place to lay his head. We are consumed by advancing our own cause but you sent your son to become a sacrifice for others. We love ourselves most of all, but you so love the world that you gave your only son. This is good, Lord, not because of anything we have done, but because of what you have done for us. And because of your love and its incredible demonstration on the cross, we gather this day to confess our sins, to recommit our lives, and to praise your holy name. May the days ahead also be good ones, as your Holy Spirit works through our lives to demonstrate your love and power to a lost world. And may we be your ambassadors to a world so in need, a world that needs to hear the message of Good Friday, a world that needs to experience the power of the cross. All of this we ask in the name of the one who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.